Big Fluff. Go ahead, make me the scapegoat. My loyal subordinates could testify to my superb stewardship of Cobra, but you don't have the courage to let them speak. Wrong again. Defend him if you can. Indeed they shall. You first, noble Destro. Militarily speaking, it's only fair to say that Cobra Commander is a world-class buffoon. What? Baroness, Dr. Mindbender, Brave Zaymart and Tomax, you won't let Destro's treacherous assassination of my character go unchallenged, will you? Certainly not. Destro forgot to mention your frequent displays of cowardice. Everybody, I'm Joel Murphy, and I'm Andy McIntyre, and this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we are closing out '80s toy-based cash grab month <laughs> uh, with a look at GI Joe the movie from 1987. I believe is when it was finally released. And here to join us, uh, the only uh, expert on Joe's, Joe Dunn, friend of the show. Welcome back, Joe. Thanks, guys. I'm so happy to be back. And I was sure you were going to lead off with the was a man quote. <laughs> so when the he's a world class buffoon quote came up, I was like, oh, my God, he's switching it up. But you had to throw it in there. Yeah. You don't you worry. It. I'm playing that was a man clip. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was sure that you were going to play a scene from the trial of Cobra Commander in Cobra Law. But there's so many just great bananas moments. I, I think there's just something is uh, like it, it really tickled me that moment from the beginning of just like Cobra Commander so utterly convinced that they had his back is to me yeah. probably again we're getting ahead of ourselves but it might be the funniest moment in this whole movie to me is just and they play him they both fish hook him there too they're like <laughs> what you don't understand is he's a world class. Does the same thing. It's nuts. And it, it's yeah, it's Charlie Brown with the football because both times yeah. he's utterly convinced. No, this guy, he's yeah. gonna do it. He's gonna <laughs> say nice things about me, and he's so just like he doesn't see it coming either time. Yeah. The only thing that scene was missing was Tomax setting up the football and Zaymot pulling it away <laughs> to really rule of threes it and get it to where it needs yeah. to be. Um, it just because I love the I love Tomax and Zaymot, the the twins. They were my favorite Cobras. But no, they're they're I digress. Great. But like, yeah, I just in general, this movie is fascinating for that. Clearly, they decided this is the time to humble Cobra Commander. This entire movie is just his comeuppance. <laughs> it's just taking him down a peg or three. <laughs> it's after two seasons of him just failing at defeating the Joes. They finally woke up. Yeah. And they're like, let's take him he's gone. We're getting rid of him. It's like this guy clearly can't deliver. Let's uh let's 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 call a spade a spade here and uh <laughs> revisit things with uh Mr. Cobra Commander. What I love is that he does not at any point have a turn. He stays completely consistent 
to who he is. And in fact, the turn is that he just turns on them and helps the Joes. But in the same, like, cowardly way that he always operated. (laughs) But I mean, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get that far ahead of ourselves, but it's great when he does finally at the end. His like his final moments in the film are amazing. And you're like, like, do I love Cobra Commander a little bit? Like as an eight year old kid, you're like watching this and you're like, Oh my God, am I a Cobra Commander fan? <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, but yeah, we should we should take a step back because yeah, we gotta we gotta set this up. And it's funny because we've been talking about this movie all month. We keep getting ahead of ourselves when we're like talking about the Transformers movie or like these other movies. Uh, because yeah, there's so much of all these are tied together. But like, there's a lot to talk about with with Duke and his death and everything. But I guess we gotta start and. If anyone wants to take a crack at this, let me know at just this absolutely bonkers plot of this movie. (laughs) I'll take a stab at it. Uh, So the Joes invent wireless energy. Mm -hmm. Also called the BET. Let's not lose sight of that. And if you forget that it's called the BET, uh, Serpentor will remind you nonstop. (laughs) I think he says BET more than this I command. Yeah. (laughs) If you did a drinking game with those two lines and was a man, you're done. Like, yeah, you're dead. (laughs) You're there's They say that all of those more than yo, Joe. Yeah. Like everything. It's true. Yeah. Um, but yes, the broadcast energy transmitter or BET uh, is able to just power things from a tank. It's just a little tank with a satellite dish. Don't overthink it. Things get powered. <laughs> it just powers things. Yeah, because uh, we, we, when we see the Joes use it as designed, it just makes their vehicles operate independently and fire their missiles without a person in them. Yeah, Super when safe. I first saw that. It's like I, th- I was like, oh, is this some sort of artificial intelligence that they like? It's like the key that turns on these machines to act on their own. I was like, well, maybe I'm on Cobra's side at this point. Like the Joes have too much power. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, predicting drone strike uh, military warfare. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, this is getting ahead of ourselves. Um, so. It also turns out that. Uh, there's this secret society known as Cobra Law led by Galobulus, uh, who were forced underground as humanity evolved and developed machines instead of uh, weird squid things that they ride in. Well, right. But I mean, also, how dare they? yeah, it's worth, again, just taking a moment to, to focus in, because as much as I understand it, what, we're, what they're saying is that they were a parallel species akin to like the Neanderthals or something that existed on Earth simultaneously with the homo sapiens and right. were further evolved but then lost at some point and had to go underground because they couldn't withstand the ice is the nearest take i could make of that i guess yeah it was it was it was hand waved past but either way uh this ageless society of snake men uh and insect people maybe and sentient trees and it seems like they would have superiority in a battle it really does it 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 really really does that by all accounts like unless nemesis enforcer just makes identical copies of himself and same with Galobulus and pythona 
it seems like they're all immortal. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like they have been around since the dawn of time. Um, does that mean that, that, you know, spoilers, but does that, does that mean the Cobra Commander is also immortal? I found that that question raised right watching it this time as well of like, how old is Cobra Commander? Because he seemed to be like Globulus seemed to imply that Cobra Commander had been around for a long time. Right. He was like just one of the guys around. Like he's yeah. been here. And so uh, it was Galobulus that uh, like dream influenced Dr. Mindbender into creating Serpentor. And now is the time to strike because the broadcast energy transmitter can send the mutation spores up to turn human race into weird like snake people. And the only one that can stop them is Don Johnson, <laughs> who is a, a woman, crazy, a n- terrible, ne'er do well, <laughs> terrible soldier who somehow if has tra- reached the rank of lieutenant, despite if, having no nothing redeeming no in his service record. <laughs> it's what if Charlie Sheen from 1997 became a G.I. Joe? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, uh yeah in yeah. fact to even, to even put a uh a more of a button on that i guess there's an episode of like gi joe renegades uh where lieutenant falcon develops a drug addiction oh no holy cow um yeah so i mean like all like all of the movies all sponsored by cocaine so yes. yeah <laughs> I also this is not in the movie, but I you two, I assume you watched G.I. Joe as much as I did because I didn't research this, but this is my memory. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't also the pitch of Serpentor that he was like created by combining the DNA of like all of the greatest generals throughout history? Yeah, there's a whole series where Destro and Dr. Mindbender had this plan to like raid the tombs of all these great leaders, these great tyrants and everything, and to then you know, Frankenstein them into one body. And this movie totally is like, nope, that didn't happen. You're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's like, it's kind of like, it's like, yeah, that did happen, but we were the right. ones that like nudged you in the direction to make that happen. Right. Um, although, and this is, I mean, this is from the series, but I love that because like Sergeant Slaughter stopped them from getting Genghis Khan's DNA. So they just took Sergeant Slaughter's DNA. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, yeah, he's good enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> because Sergeant Slaughter, like the G.I. Joe Sergeant Slaughter, is essentially Superman, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but which again, like, there's nothing that gives me greater joy when watching this movie than seeing the words Sergeant Slaughter as Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> yeah, not even himself. Like they're like, yeah. this is a fictional character. Playing a fictional character. <laughs> well, if it said Paul Slaughter, is that his name? I don't even know. I'm just assuming. It's Paul Robert Slaughter. Remus. <laughs> Robert Robert Remus. Yeah. Okay. Is his real name. And Sergeant Slaughter was his gimmick name. Because Sergeant Remus just doesn't have the same ring to it. But he was a drill sergeant, right? Am I remembering? He was that? a legit Marine drill yeah. sergeant. That is that is a true fact, yes. Yes. Uh and then became a pro wrestler and just did his drill sergeant shtick and Man, did it work? Yeah, yeah. it was great. He, like Sergeant Slaughter, of the Joes is an all-time great wrestling character. I think being part of GI Joe was just a match made in heaven. Yeah, and it was very bizarre as a kid. 
to try to like make sense of it all. The fact that, yeah, you could watch him on the WWF television, but also he was like, I think it made the G.I. Joe feel more real in some way. Yeah, that weird connection yeah. too, especially because like they did other G.I. Joe figures of like there's a William Refrigerator Perry G.I. Joe figure and things like that. But like it was never in the show the way that Sarge was. Yeah, he was a main character. Like he was a right. he was a regular occurrence. Like he had um, I, I was reading that like from 85 to 89, they made a new figure of him every year. Yeah, I remember I had one where he had like a blue shirt and almost like ah, a the, khaki colored camouflage pants. Marauders version. Yeah, yeah, I had that one. <laughs> that was his uh, like splinter team where he just took a bunch of G.I. Joe's and they painted this same uh, same character molds blue to sell more figures. And, and did I buy them? You're damn right. I did. Yeah, me too. I, I had both because I remember I had classic Sergeant Slaughter and the blue shirt Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, I think I had I think I had all of the Marauders and their original G.I. Joe's of like Mutt and Spirit and <laughs> Barbecue and Footloose. Oh, yeah. By the way, the I will say that it, watching it this time is interesting because in my memory, the preferred way to watch this is broken up into five parts with Sergeant Slaughter introducing it. For the cartoon show. That is as God intended. Yes. (laughs) And by God, I mean Larry Hama. (laughs) But yeah, it's (laughs) he's standing in front. Like I can still picture he's standing in front of an American flag and just like talking into camera about what the Joes are about to go through. Remember when Serpentor. <laughs> yeah. He did tried to take too, all right? the Joes out. Yeah, I think he did the commercial breaks because I guess they the was ninety break. minutes and they yeah. split it up into five parts. So I guess he was there to like pad it. I think so. he, he did an intro and an outro to each episode. Like it, like the the episode breaks. Like, what's gonna happen to the Joes next week? <laughs> you right. better tune in. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm going to say there is not a single television show I wouldn't want him to do that for. No. <laughs> Great British Bake Off. All right, when we went to break, they were putting their cakes in the oven. Let's see how it's going to turn out, Joe's. Did they overprove their bread rice? Stay tuned. They need to fire Noel Fielding and Matt Lucas and hire Rob Remus to start doing the episodes of GPBO. <laughs> There's only yesterday. There's only two ways you leave the kitchen as a master baker <laughs> or in a wastebasket. <laughs> <laughs> this week's star baker, it doesn't matter. It's me. This piece is for Duke. This piece <laughs> is for Falcon. And this one's this for piece me. This is for the good old US of A. He just drops that one on the ground. (laughs) I want my country back. (laughs) Oh, I love Sergeant Slaughter so much. No, he's the best. He's uh, I love him. Uh, Anyways. Yeah. And so G.I. Joe ends up saving the day. (laughs) I feel like we skipped some steps, but yes, (laughs) we didn't, though. That's the thing. Like, there's a bunch of weird, like Lovecraftian nonsense in Cobra Law. Well, you uh, skipped... Which I love. Oh, go ahead. Well, you missed Duke dying, oh, not yeah, dying. dying. You missed the... Well, before that, the <laughs> military tribunal of Falcon, where he's going to be thrown out and Duke saves his military crew when he gets sent to the slaughterhouse. Right. Um, and then other than that, yeah, just a lot of prison breaks. 
Well, yeah, and I just love that Duke's gone into a coma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, I, this is probably a good time to get into that, right? So we mentioned this on the Transformers thing, but this was being made at the same... This was supposed to come out before the Transformers movie. And, and then production delays bumped it past, bumped Transformers up in the queue. And also kept this from getting a theatrical release because of the underperforming of the Transformers movie. But they were both supposed to kill Optimus Prime and Duke. Optimus Prime died. People got really upset. So they last minute tried to not kill Duke. But it is weird. Because I'm going to be honest, as a kid, I never obviously knew any of that, that I, Duke was in a coma. Sure. That's what the TV told me. So it wouldn't lie. Right. But like yeah. watching it now. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that it was like a last minute. It's, it's super weird the way they handle it. Um, but I still remember it having a lot of weight as a kid. Like, oh, yeah. When he gets hit and the blood like bursts out of his chest and his eyes go wide. Like it feels like as a, as a little kid, it felt real. It felt like this is it. Well, like this is serious. That's probably the biggest consequence to violence in the history of G.I. Joe to that point. Yes. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. No, Joe, you're absolutely right, though. Like. The way they play it, yeah, you see the life go out of his eyes when that, and the snake like really? hits his heart. <laughs> and it's because, and also and that, it feels super weighty too because he jumps in front of Falcon. Like you have this idea, this whole movie is setting up Falcon is the terrible soldier and Duke is obviously the greatest American hero. Like he, he's our guy. He's the leader of the Joes. He's the leader of the Joes and he is taking this for you know, this guy who does not deserve it, essentially. Yeah. I mean, well, that's because part he of promised that. I mean, that this is a brilliant movie is that that's good writing. It <laughs> like, really is. No, but that's why I wanted to highlight character. it. It's it's like Shakespearean. There, it, there's a tragedy yeah, yeah. to it of like, why me? And, you know, why him and not me? Again, he doesn't right. die. He's it's also. <laughs> uh, Molly I mean, pointed yeah, the, like, so like, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. They say like, oh, he's in a coma. And it's almost like they say, if you defeat Sepentor, he will get out of the coma. <laughs> like, it is very like when, you know, the, the, the last words Duke said was do this yeah, or I'll yeah. die. <laughs> like, and his no. last words, of course, were, yo, yo. yeah, obviously. <laughs> oh. But uh, but no, it's also like Molly pointed that out. She she came in the room when I was having to be watching that part. And she thought it was hilarious, too, of just like. He yeah, his eyes close and it's I think it's Scarlet, right, is holding his head. And she's just like, yep. he went into a coma, which is like he's not hooked up to mean? any like medical equipment. Right. No, it's literally he's gone. And <laughs> then they cut to another shot into a coma. Into a coma. But it's just even if you take that at face value, how would they possibly know in that moment in the field uh, with no medical equipment hooked up to him that he's in a coma and not dead or asleep or whatever. That's how good the G.I. Joes are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why Doc left early. Like he was kneeling down next to him. He's like, I don't even need to be here. He's in a coma. So yeah. <laughs> Listen, not much I can do. Just get him to a bed. Just hold his head now, until he's out of this coma. Yeah. So they must have been pretty far along because they really are lazy about like, 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 like you said, like, they cut away when she says in a coma. And the only other stuff they give you is at the end, Doc is over the radio saying Duke's going to make it. Everything's great. But then there's still the last line of the movie is like the spores are burning up. And Jinx is like, oh, they're so beautiful. And Falcon's like, thanks, big brother. <laughs> like 
Like, he's sending them a message. <laughs> Which makes... To the heavens, yeah. yeah it yeah, makes no yeah. sense in the context of he's in a coma and he just woke up. Like, it only makes Absolutely sense if he's no dead. Sense. I mean, ideally, there should have been a whole scene where he goes to him in the hospital and they yo-jo each other. <laughs> but <laughs> that's what it needs. But they didn't even do that. That's really, like, three things to just... Yeah, it is funny that it's like, yeah, like you said, they must have just like the movie must have been done and they were like, what's the cheapest way to fix this? Because, yeah, like you probably really should have dialogue. (laughs) But yeah, because you probably should (laughs) have cut that last scene that no longer makes any sense. And like you said, replaced it with a scene of Duke recovering. Right. Because I'm sure they had plates that they could have just used and just like reused to be the end scenes from episodes. And I'm sure there's another way around it instead of just taking the easiest way out. He could have called him on like a little video phone and it would have just been the tiniest little thing. But yeah, that could have been anything. But it's okay. Everybody survived. Everybody's out of their coma. We can move on. We do. (laughs) I mean, the movie ends with Cobra Commander still a snake, though. Like that doesn't get resolved. Right, but it, right. I feel like that's not the end of Cobra Commander as a character. No, I feel like he it's came not. back in the show, but I don't remember how. He does. Baroness decides, Baroness gets mad at Destro and decides to, you know, bring him back into some sort of humanoid form. Um, and that seems to be what Cobra is. It's just a bunch of infighting, which is why it's, that's such a cool way for the movie to start with them sort of like saying, like, you suck. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. And they, they're all turning on each other. And, and then they also introduce this third set of Cobra with Cobra Law, who is also shaking things up. It's kind of a, a, an interesting way to do it, but I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you guys think about that as an intro? Well, I was going to say, the, the other thing that's interesting about that, too, that adds to your point is that it's very clearly established, and again, with the backstory as well, but like Cobra Commander seemingly knew about Cobra Law this whole time and just didn't tell anyone like he was just keeping that to himself, which I think just further goes to the dysfunction of Cobra. He fell in love with machinery. Yeah. (laughs) But we should also, I I do, I think we should talk about that scene, but we should probably jump back even further and talk about just the opening, which is its own. Oh, sure. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so I texted Joel when I was, when I put this on, I said, there is enough for us to talk about just from the opening sequence alone. And we don't have to like there's for real. That, like, it is it is like the end of Avengers Endgame. Yeah. In that, like it is just yeah. it is insane. And then you have like the song with like the new verses to the G.I. Joe theme song, which is sick. Yeah. Just oh, it's, it's dope. fantastic. Oh, yeah. All the Cobra verses good. are Cobra, fantastic. Cobra. what's great about the new verses is there's they're different and you're like oh what is going on this is a whole new theme and by the time the song revs up and it kicks in the theme you know it's like a slap in the face like so good uh, yeah it's (laughs) basically yeah it's denying your child brain of the dopamine that you're waiting for for that song to kick in (laughs) but yeah but so the opening scene it's at the statue of liberty and presumably it seems like Cobra because it's all the song so we don't get dialogue but Cobra seems to be trying to blow up the Statue of Liberty during what is some sort of celebration there's balloons it's the centennial oh it's a centennial the centennial of Liberty yeah okay that actually happened in 1986 was the centennial of the Statue of Liberty 
but yeah, so that's happening, and Cobra is like parachuting down and crashing there's... through the night comes an <laughs> evil sight cobra there's a little bit of like stone cutters vibe to it or like, it is we yeah. do yeah. <laughs> we do <laughs> the whole scene though like, it's beautifully animated it's so it is. smooth it really is and you get it this is something I actually, actually like in the rest of the movie too is you get a taste of every Joe so like if your favorite is Alpine Alpine's there if your no favorite, favorite is Alpine, dude, he has a really good part in the beginning. <laughs> no, he really does. Cause he, he yeah. commandeers the Cobra pod and then, right. and I wanted to comment like that just seems in, in that chaotic of a battle, it seems like a really bad choice to commandeer an enemy aircraft. Cause like, you're just yeah. going to get caught in friendly and now at this point, unknown friendly fire. Yeah. yeah. But no, yeah, but no, Alpine commandeers the, uh, the Cobra pod. Snake Eyes just it's the only thing he gets to do in the whole movie is just his awesome sequence in the opening. And that's one of yeah. my big malines of this movie. Not enough Snake Eyes. <laughs> we should, by the way, real quick, I feel like do, do we want to roll call who our favorite Joe character was? I feel like that's important. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I don't know who wants to go first. It was, yeah. it, was uh, it was Flint. Um, oh, I like and Flint. I I think this says more about me about me is that like I knew I wasn't cool enough to be the leader, but I was cool <laughs> enough to be the buddy of the leader. <laughs> I feel like Flint was always like right there and he was cool and like he had a nice. beret. Although, yeah, he had a beret. Although I've realized like as I've grown up, like if I knew Flint as a real man, like there's no way he we would get along. Like he would not like me. <laughs> no, again, like Andy said, he's Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's Lieutenant Falcon is Charlie. Oh, Charlie uh, sorry. Yeah, Falcon. Oh, yeah. Who also has a beret. Yeah. The um, beret brothers. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I mean, I love Snake Eyes because he was just so cool. Uh, they actually had time on the show. Yeah, Snake Eyes. I mean, Sergeant Slaughter, obviously. Um, I really dug Roadblock, too. I was a big Roadblock yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But my favorite figure, there was this obscure figure called Hit and Run that he was just like in all camo, full camo face paint, but had a cool like grappling hook backpack. That was my yeah. favorite figure, but he wasn't much in the show. Yeah, well, that's I had that too, where my favorite figure was Tunnel Rat. And a lot of that was because my grandfather was in the Air Force and he did EOD. And I remember on the back thing, it said that Tunnel Rat did EOD. And so that was like, that's awesome. And I love that figure. But yeah, watching this movie, too, I'm like, he's nothing in this. Like, like he's <laughs> this such This movie's a... probably the biggest thing he does is that is I that training is, yeah. sequence. Yeah. When um, he gets he gets into Cobra Law through the yeah. through the sewer system. But uh, but yeah, I think Roblox was my favorite of like the main. Although Shipwreck underrated. I was going to say, I like Shipwreck a lot. Too. Yeah. yeah. Which it, it took me like way into my adulthood to realize that that was a Jack Nicholson impression. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. You're right. Which, I was thinking Bruce Campbell, but it's totally Jack Nicholson. He's just yeah. It's a yeah. Jack Nicholson impression, 100%. Which I gotta, okay, if I can take one moment to, to take our laser focus off this movie to just bring up one thing from the show, because <laughs> I, yes. I want to know if you both remember this. I was traumatized by this as a child, and I've never properly processed it. But do you remember... <laughs> The two-part episode where Shipwreck ended up, he had a wife and I think a kid, and then it turned out that they melted 
at the end. It yeah. was like it some was a Cobra simulation. It was a Cobra simulation, but it was so dark where like he was convinced that this was real and he was you got the sense that he was broken at the end. He was never going to be OK. Yeah. That was an I episode of this memories of that, this child, yeah, like it's yeah. more than any other episode of G.I. Joe. I remember that one so specifically because it messed with my brain as a kid, because I think I was like, what if that happened? What if my family melted? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, then you'd be shipwrecked. That's a plus. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would say that shipwreck snake eyes and roadblock were probably my my most favorite. Snake eyes was a great toy as well. Oh, he was the too. best toy. Yeah. Yeah. He's great in the show and he's great just in concept. Like, even if you don't know anything about G.I. Joe, you're like, oh, there's this guy. He's dressed as a ninja. He doesn't talk. He's got a wolf that follows him. I mean, there's nothing not to love about Snake Eyes. Well, you can see that, too, with even with the live action movies that never quite felt right. That was the one character that they nailed and did a spinoff movie of because, yeah, yeah. it's you can't mess it up. It's it's foolproof. Yeah. yeah. You as long as you get the costume right, it it sells itself. Yeah, no, like. Because I'd already mentioned how Tomax and Samot were some of my favorite Cobras. Uh, Storm Shadow is my other favorite Cobra. I yeah, love Storm pretty, Shadow. Yeah. I, I love Cobra Commander so much. Like he's I think he's the best oh, character yeah. in the entire show. Like I like For just sure. he's amazing. Like just the perfect spineless like heel yeah. like that just always chooses the worst choice. And Joe, to your point, too, I do think that this movie makes you love him like it, it's a an amazing like sympathetic turn for him by again not having him change but just humbling him so much that you feel sorry for him yeah, well no you yeah. just see him hit literal rock bottom and and like that redemption arc where he and roadblock again one of my favorite gi joes uh you know and then like having to unite because roadblock is blinded by nemesis enforcer because he didn't listen cobra commander tried to tell him <laughs> I mean, if you're Roadblock, why would you trust Cobra Commander at this point? That's fair. But also, yeah, I mean, amazing. I would watch an entire buddy comedy of the two of them. If like we abandoned every other plot line and this was 90 minutes of the two of them, like the snake man and blind Roadblock, just like wandering to try to find other people, I'd watch it. I see an amazing one issue of a comic like like, you know, 24 pages of them just like what happened to them on their I'm blind and you're a snake. <laughs> and then for whatever reason, you just do like a, a Bob Hope, uh, Bing Crosby like yeah. song break. <laughs> <laughs> On the road to Cobra Law. I also do think that that like single issue, like one off comic would be amazing, too, if it ended after the Baroness like brings Cobra Commander back. And there's just a moment where they're on opposite sides of the battlefield, but they both yes. kind of have that memory of yeah, that, that shared, shared time. time. Yeah. And Roadblock somehow rhymes was a man with something. And uh, <laughs> was a man didn't go according to plan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, God, this movie's so weird. It's it, super weird. And weirder than the show, too. Like, I feel like the show is like so much. It was the sh all just the like show is positively grounded compared to this movie. Absolutely. Well, again, because it's like. 
I was just going to say, it brings in a, like a completely, because the show is, yeah, it's, it's soldiers and it's big armored vehicles fighting in different terrains and whatever. And this is just like, what if Lovecraftian horror was also a part of it? <laughs> or it's just this completely different pitch. It's, it's so cool. I love the gadgets that they use. Like as she's, what's her name? Pythona? Is yeah, I think so. Yeah. As she's storming the Terradome, all the gadgets use are cool. And like, Nemesis Enforcer feels like a real threat. And he's it's insane. He's just this big guy with like sharp. Oh, he's elbows badass. He has like elbow claws and bat yeah. wings. Oh, and he's, he's so he's, cool. He's super scary. So like just the fact that they switched it up and it worked so powerfully, I thought, in terms of as a real new unexpected threat. Also, he's like 10 feet tall. Like he's yeah. giant. And yeah. to the just the power of like Sergeant Slaughter, the way that he's written is like that moment where he's like, no, he's mine. And they square off at the end feels like it is WrestleMania or something like this is the, the what we've somehow all been building to, even though they've not really had much screen time together up until now. It still feels right. like that's a great point and would have been the thing I pointed out as my uh, maligned thing is that screen time like. Falcon doesn't show up until half an hour in the movie, and he's supposed to be like the main character. And like Sergeant Slaughter, he doesn't show up for like an hour into it. Yeah. And but at the same time, by the end of the movie, it's real. Like you're really invested in that fight and that showdown. Well, and that and that got me too in the way that it's like you remember it as a kid versus watching it now, where it's like if you had asked me, I would have believed that Slaughter's, you know, like the slaughterhouse stuff was a lengthy part of the movie that there was some sort of long amount of time where we actually see, you know, this, this redemption, you know, and like yeah. he, he learns how to be a soldier. It's literally like he parachutes down. He has to, he's Runs misses to the slaughter. He misses breakfast of giant ribs. Right. That's sure. And then, <laughs> and then they um, there's like one scene where they're doing some kind of training and then they're immediately like, we have to go do a mission and that's it. Yeah, it's seriously it's like they're doing pull ups, they're running through tires and they're wrestling. Yeah. And while they're wrestling, <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter's like, I just got off the phone. We got to go. Yeah. Like it's it's wild how little time that team has. And the the other guys are are barely. You know, they get the it's like this is this person. This is their thing. He used to be Cobra. He used to be in the circus. Right. Third he guy used to be in the NFL. That was it. Yeah. The, the, the third guy's the NFL he got, guy. He got. So I read the actual backstory and it's it's so much more insane than you would think. <laughs> well, I mean, they're so good at making these characters. And I, I would argue that there are like three lines of dialogue that make it work and so for that guy that i don't they can't be the great characters because i can't even remember that guy's name but the Red football dog. one they're like he was in the football but kicked out because he doesn't play well with others and then once they storm the terror dome and they're leaving he's like he's like let's get out of here and he's like no you need to learn we'd never leave anyone behind so it's it's kind of cool how they like these characters are really individual and like you could say that for all the joes they really do have personalities well and that's and the thing is like and then that like leads to this huge emotional moment where now that we've had a change in Lieutenant Falcon and he cares now and he's a team player, he's willing to leave himself behind. And then you get the the repeat of Sergeant Slaughter saying, we don't leave any soldiers behind. And like, then they're going to save him. But again, that's yeah. two scenes. <clears throat> well, yeah. And that, like the G.I. Joe, like G.I. Joe as good as any, I think, cartoon just had lights up characters mm -hmm. 
like you knew what everybody's deal was was as soon as they walked on screen right and it was awesome but no i just have to share this red dog story because it's so (laughs) insane so he got kicked out of the nfl for excessive roughness but this is the incident so he's samoan and he's a barefoot kicker that's his position in the nfl oh okay someone steps on his toe and so he just beats the hell out of him (laughs) he got kicked out for excessive violence that is the title card story for red dog it's on his title card (laughs) yeah it's on his file card for how he got kicked out of the nfl and that's amazing Does Falcon's title card just say there's nothing redeeming in his file? Like, does it just, <laughs> is it just what the tribunal says? It just says if Charlie Sheen was a G.I. <laughs> it's just a poop emoji. <laughs> and those didn't exist back then. So people are like, what the hell is going on? Why is there chocolate ice cream on his title card? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, those title cards, whoever wrote those, like, they really did. Larry didn't. Hama wrote all of them. Did, is that did true? Holy cow. I, th- I'm, I'm, I think I read that somewhere that Larry Hama wrote every single title card. That's amazing. Or at least for like the first few. I'm sure that like the G.I. Joes that came out in like the Eco Warriors or whatever, he didn't write. But like the original like Joes, <laughs> right Joes, he wrote. I just pictured him going into a trance and some assistant like handing a pen. And just when he wakes up, he's like, all right, uh, this one's he was in the circus and uh, he he got in a fight with one of the elephants and they kicked him out. <laughs> no, it's like you just see him like his eyes roll back in his head. His hand starts moving. So they have to get a pen in it. Yeah. And that's just what gets written down by the pen. It's completely a fugue state. He just wakes up and there's a new G.I. Joe character. <laughs> Larry Hama has no idea that he's actually written all of this G.I. Joe lore. He just thinks he's a secretary. <laughs> he just, every day he's like, my wrist is so sore. What is going on? Oh, man. I don't I even know, know where like, we're at in the show because I like... doesn't, it, it, who cares? Well, I would, I want to go back to there's the BET, of course. So mm-hmm. Cobra Law wants the BET. So they go to Serpentor and they say, we need you to get us the BET. So the next scene, they go to get the BET, and it just happens to be right outside of Cobra Law. <laughs> like, they're like right around the corner. Well, isn't there, <laughs> wait, but isn't there some kind of, what's the scene where the Joes are like, you know where we're going to hide the BET? Or maybe this is after that, but they're like, you know where they'll never expect the BET to be? In an unguarded public facility. Out right. in the, like, <laughs> easily accessible. <laughs> Well, considering the Cobra Terror Dome was uh, guarded only by a barbed wire electric fence. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Also, <laughs> we don't change the codes after after a guy quits. You don't bother to fix that keypad to, to have a new code. Nope. Why? Because <laughs> then everyone's got to memorize the new code and like he's not coming back, probably. <laughs> I What's told he do? Destro to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the, the movie is a series of break-ins or sneak-ins. Like, yeah, I think it's, there's, there's it's all it's all infil- infiltration mission. Yes. Which also, really again, I don't know where we're at vis-a-vis silver linings versus maligning or whatever. <laughs> but I'm just gonna say when. <laughs> When Falcon is like mansplaining why they have nothing to worry about while the break in is happening, that just chef's kiss 
I would have played that clip, except it's too visual of just it's so perfect. Well, even if they could get through da da da, well, then they'd have to get through this. And it's like just them doing yeah. it like the whole. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's the perfect example of, of how they can get away with five different break ins across the five episodes and have them all be unique. They really um, are. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, too, like this. The movie, like it, you know, because I think we talked about that with the trans- the Transformers movie feels like five episodes. This feels like a movie, like even though it's a little repetitive in the like plot, like just the structure of what's happening. It does feel like it has a beginning, a middle and end and that it it's all one connected story that pays off. That doesn't feel like feel- it was written for TV. So you don't feel the uh, the breaks the same way you do in the. I don't. Yeah, maybe you guys feel differently, but I didn't. I I would say I think that this is a little more seamless than the Transformers movie. Uh, But I will say I did feel the same level of like action fatigue by the end where I'm like, like, I understand why G.I. Joe was 22 minutes with one crazy laser gun fight and a PSA. But I do think like this has a little bit more than the Transformers in terms of like because you have roadblock and cobra commander or even just taking time for burgess meredith to explain the 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 history of cobra law like there's enough moments that like aren't just action scenes where i feel like the transformers it there's like one scene where orson wells explains to you who he is and other than that everything is a battle like i i felt like there were more slower moments there's there's falcon and the southern bell cobra spy that he's <laughs> wooing yeah that zartana or zarana sneaks in and yep. yeah it's great um that no notes on on her character <laughs> like just amazing yeah it's it's all just delightful also the fact that it's duke that catches him right and then like he takes yeah. her camera but lets her go like <laughs> yeah there's there like there were so many things wrong with that scene in terms of like, like he lets falcon off he, you know he yeah. lets her just leave why, yeah. why was her car on the base right. and, she's, and she parked right in front of right like the top there. secret bunker and he says to jinx escort her off the premises and he's she's just like here's your car eat it <laughs> and like they're nowhere near the gate like <laughs> she's yeah. like wait no no she yeah. left okay we're yeah. good <laughs> Tons of stuff wrong with that. And then yeah. that's why he goes to the 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 tribunal. Who did you notice who's sitting on the board? It's like Hawk and like a bearded guy. But Wild Bill's up there too. I know Wild Bill is on the board. I was like, how did he get up there? <laughs> like what how is he part of this? Uh, he's actually very politically savvy, that yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a climber, <laughs> is what most people don't know about Wild Bill. In addition to flying helicopters, he's also uh, just a big time climber. He's like, I don't need to fly you to Sergeant Slaughter's base. I just like doing it. Well, and then what we don't realize is 80% of his flights are taking the top brass to golf courses. Like he's yeah. just. Right. <laughs> he, and, and he just picks up this information. Yeah. Because they're all on the same headset channel. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's the fact that they all abuse like the, the private <laughs> helicopters. So he's actually privy <laughs> to all of their conversations and their meetings. <laughs> And it's just, people don't realize that it's, you know, everyone calls him Wild Bill, but it, it is for Sir General Wild Bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's> Sir General Sir. <laughs> yeah. <me> appropriately. <laughs> Which, again, I mean, the like the ranks make no sense. Like, again, the uh, Falcon 
being a lieutenant is I, yeah. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> I love the fact that like Duke's rank is officially a sergeant, but he's the head of G.I. Joe. And well, I, he's like the field leader, right? Like he's not yeah. he, like General Hawk is still like. You're right. Also, also I'm kind of getting the impression that G.I. Joe is kind of a small operation. They're talk- the whole movie, they're talking about how they're understaffed. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the best of the best of the best. Blowing up machinery. Like, why is Beachhead using live ammunition in a training exercise? Well, the, yeah. Like, how many people have died in G.I. Joe training is the real question. Yeah. Hundreds. <laughs> how many yeah. bodies have been swept under the rug because of Beachhead's negligence? Why do you think you never see Beachhead's face? Right. Plausible deniability. <laughs> The sad part is, like, I feel like it's implied that the slaughterhouse is this really... T- but I actually think Sergeant Slaughter is a more responsible leader than Beachhead is, like, with the training. Yeah. I See, I like Beachhead, and they actually make him look cool, like, in this... When they cut to him, they're like... Uh, or Flint or Duke is like, oh, the new recruits are coming up, and, and General Hawk's like, oh, they gotta deal with... They gotta get past Beachhead first. So it's kind of cool... Yeah, they totally make him look like a chump as they, you know, go around his rules. uh, Right. They immediately find ways that Tunnel Rat gets by by just leaving the course. Yeah. (laughs) Big Lob gets by because sports. Yeah. And then Law calls uh, the dog and Beachhead's completely surprised. Like, how did you not know that this guy has a bomb sniffing dog with him? That, yeah. Well, and also then you're... (laughs) Like getting in between him and the dog and almost getting all of you blown up because you're not just letting telling the guy, like, get that thing out of your dog's mouth. Like guy who has trained the dog. Like, oh, I got it. And it's a training exercise. And there was a real bomb. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah, we were seconds away from the dog blowing up and possibly both of them. Right. No. Well, it would have gone off and then Scarlet would have walked on and said, he's gone into a coma <laughs> and there would have blood everywhere and she'd be like all right we'll get out here. <laughs> it's all like right. the opening of private ryan there's just <laughs> utter carnage they've all gone into a coma i will say yeah like to your point you said this earlier but like scarlet's another character that really gets like nothing to do in this movie yeah like there's I mean, a her few biggest of them. line is delivered off screen. But yeah, like there's a number of like the main characters that felt more prominent in the show that just sort of are lost in the shuffle of this movie. Yeah. Because they wanted to focus on the new recruits. Right. Um, so they downplayed Flint and Lady J and Snake Eyes and Rock and Roll and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you look at the the, the group that gets captured right away, Roblox group, like they show inside that prison, and it is, it's Lady J, quick kick. Snake Eyes, all these great guys in there. And then it, during the whole movie, it's Flint's job to get them back. So he, he brings a group to get them back. And when he find, they stumble upon Roadblock by accident, it's Lifeline and Iceberg. And I'm like, who are these scrubs? <laughs> like, like, you have like the best Joes in this prison. And that's who they spent two seasons focusing on. But it's true. They really were focused on like, these are the old toys. These are the new toys. Well, yeah, it's, if you're going to make a movie, the goal of the movie is you, you don't want to sell us what we already own. You got to sell us. We, we need right. to walk away wanting a Jinx action figure, you know? Yeah, we got to want that Galobulus action figure. <laughs> Which I had, and it was sick. Like, the like I remember he had the bendy tail, and he had the little yeah. thing that clasped. Like, that was a great figure. 
Yeah, I I never had I didn't have any of the Cobra Law figures. I always wanted a Nemesis Enforcer because he was the coolest thing He's in the so world cool. to me. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have him, but I don't even know how I had Globulus, but I remember him because I remember it was like the figure was very different from the other ones just because he had like the snake tail and everything. I never had a Serpentor either, and that always bummed me out. I I had a buddy that had one. Like I remember playing with one, but I didn't have it. But like, yeah, I, had I didn't a have it either. I think it was because it, it came with the ship. Like it, yeah. it wasn't like one of the little figures you could buy on the side. It was like you had to buy the the whole his whole little. It was a it was a box, not a just a right. card. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so no, that I, kind of brings me to another thing that I was maligned about. Um, the Cobras are all in like sick shape. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Mindbender is walking around with no shirt on because he can. Like, dude is a rip. <laughs> but they all shredded. Like, and, and I don't get it. Like, even Serpentor is like a beast. Like, he's huge and like ripped, and he does not walk. I counted. He takes twenty-seven <laughs> steps in this movie, and it's only in that scene where he walks in the Cobra La across a bunch of crabs. The rest of the time, he's like, "I need to go over there, like five feet away. I'm going to float over there on my <laughs> on my little uh, airship." On my Cobra chariot. Yeah, yeah. Like, he would not look like that. <laughs> well, he's they're all, they're the all pinnacle dead. of genetic engineering. That's true. That's true. It's the Sergeant Slaughter DNA in him. It, even dormant, <laughs> he's that ripped. Yeah. Because that's what Sergeant Slaughter was always known for, his physique. Yeah, real life Sergeant Slaughter looked exactly like he did in this cartoon. I remember watching him wrestle. Yeah, like, identical. 100%. <laughs> It was like watching live action when Sergeant Slaughter came on the screen. <laughs> Look, I will say they they did him favors in the body, but they captured that chin like that oh, is. Yeah, yeah. No, that face literally no notes. It was perfect. <laughs> like not even doing a bit like they that is. No, the they, face they, is I mean, it. the chin on. is perfect. He's all mustache and sunglasses. You get that and the hat. You're all you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. All right. We are deep into this show. I don't know. We we need to officially, I feel like, close the floor for maligning and just hit this. Like, so we've been a mix, I feel like, up until this point. But we got to hit silver lining strong in this last stretch. Yeah. I, I think to close the chapter, I think similar to Transformers is that. Like. I think if if you don't have the nostalgia, it's not. I, I, I could see it not landing with a lot of people that don't have a, a nostalgic love for G.I. Joe. That being said, I have a nostalgic love for G.I. Joe, and it's all of the lasers and knowing is half the battle that I could ever want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing is like it's it's a really I mean, it's a crazy left turn. <laughs> this this story, this deciding to do this backstory and the spores and all of it is a it's a wild swing that I respect. but like. Yeah, I, I think that I don't know how this would play if this was the first and only G.I. Joe thing you ever saw. But like, I do think there is good writing in there. And I think we've talked about that a little bit of like, there's some good arcs. There's some good callbacks to previous moments. And I feel like they trick you into feeling like there's more weight. Because again, in my memory, we we spent more time at the slaughterhouse. In my memory, there's more roadblock in Cobra Commander. And I think they do a really effective job of giving you enough of something that your brain as a kid and even maybe now like fills in the rest of this adventure, even if it's not actually on the screen, you you feel like you got a fuller story than you probably actually did, which is a pretty amazing like sleight of hand that they're pulling off. I think you're absolutely right. Filling in the blanks like it really does that. And 
I can't tell if it is, if that has anything to do with all the nostalgia that we have for it. Cause I have that same sort of passion, like just feels comfortable and feels great to see these characters. But is it a weird place to start with focus so on Cobra and like, we know that they've been fighting GI Joe for two years, but does the, the right, does the average viewer not know that, but I, it feels good. It feels like, feels right. It feels like all that's filled in. And I do. Yeah. I, I love that we get to see more into Cobra, like, because I realized I would watch an entire office comedy of just Cobra bickering, <laughs> like that. They like the, the inner workings of how dysfunctional, they actually all are is a really deep well i think no, th- th- there's money to be made from doing like a lower deck style show yeah. cobra organization oh, for totally. sure um the other thing is like the artwork is gorgeous in this in this like it's it's really well done and it's like it's attention to detail that just the way animation especially tv animation has changed over the last four decades that like you just don't see tv shows like drawn with that level of care and i mean they take some shortcuts, sure, with, you know, like matte painting and things like that. But like. It's like it looks great. It, like, is a it good really does movie. look beautiful. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And it's not it, it makes it makes even modern stuff look lazy. I know you're, like there's some cartoons now that like they, they cut too many corners. Um, even just the design of these characters is great. I know it, the design on this was the same as the design on, at the humans on the Transformers. And, you know, it's all it's all the same house and everything. But right. Uh, but it's such a good look. and. I love it. No, it yeah, it does. Yeah, like all of the artwork is done, I think, with such care. And yeah, like it, it feels different. And, and again, the opening thing could be a short film unto itself in its epicness. And they do a really smart thing of, you know, the different locales. And again, you have these like Lovecraft monsters. I just visually there's so much going on that is that makes it feel one distinct from the show. And two, just epic. And I think they, you know, there really was a lot of care. And did this not do well? Because I feel like it was on all the time. It was on like four or five times a year when I was a kid. Like, did you get the cycle through through, through syndication? Well, it never got released in theaters. So I think it was just like direct to video and then on TV. So I don't even know that there's really yeah. metrics to say how it did, you know, because it never had a theatrical run. Yeah, but I mean, I, I it definitely made money, I'm sure, from its syndication rights. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all of my friends, we all knew about that, like what the movie was and it's the whole deal, um, you know, and, and we would sometimes just do the Cobra, la, 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 yeah. and, like yell at each other and stuff. And, you know, um, yeah, it's 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 a delightful bit of nostalgia. I like- uh, and I like that they took the swing because like. The Transformers movie, which I also adore, um, very much feels like Transformers. In a way that like this is still very much G.I. Joe, but they like they tried to do a different thing with it. And that's, that's true. Kind of, that is kind of a neat thing. They really do step outside the box, although Transformers, I feel like they went for a bigger cinematic feel for it in terms of like I was thinking about this while I was listening to you guys talk about this on your podcast the, in the Transformers episode. Like they had the redone theme song, which sounded amazing. And they had the You've Got the Touch, which was a huge hit. I was like, does G.I. Joe have anything like that? And like they have the the G.I. Joe, the movie has the redone theme song, which we were talking about earlier, which is awesome. But do you think Hasbro was just like, oh, we're not even going to give it a a special song? I think so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's like 
because of the they decided not to release it theatrically. And if you're going to just air it on TV, then I guess the Why rights spend to the, the money to have Lion yeah. record something yeah. for the yeah. <laughs> or Stan Bush. But I will just to put a fine point on it as we wrap up the episode and the month. I think this is my favorite of the four that we watched. Like I, I I'm going to go out on the like and, and just say it like I'm going to say that like this one wins for me. I mean, I don't think there's a necessarily a wrong answer. I think my favorite's Transformers, but this is it is a like you could ask me on a different day and I'd probably give you a different answer. It's so close. It's been so long since I've seen any of the others, but uh, I still think this would pull out. But I mean, Transformers is so good. So, like, I mean, yeah. And again, I mean, and I love Orson Welles. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just the je ne sais quoi of, of his having finest him in work. It, it is. Oh, it's, it's his it's his Citizen Kane, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's as good a note to leave it on because yeah. we spent a lot of the Transformers episode talking about G.I. Joe. It's only fitting yeah. that we end G.I. Joe talking about Transformers. Well, um, so well, we do have to okay. talk about one more Joe uh, before we wrap yeah. it up. Uh, and that's a Joe that loves crappy movies. So, uh, yeah, if people want more of you, what is the best way to get that? Oh, before I would have told you t- my Twitter address, but it's <laughs> crazy now. Um, uh, Instagram, I'm still going strong, though. You can give me Joe Rules at Instagram. And you post a lot of really cool like videos of you. I've really been enjoying the animated ones, like the time lapse ones that you've been posting oh, like, lately. Yeah, I was at a, con- a comic book convention a couple of months ago and they, I, was, I was talking to other creators and they were like, you really need to do videos to like spread the word about your stuff. And I was like, really? I'm too old. To do TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but they said, no, no, no. Just do a time lapse of your art and people love it. And so I've been doing it and it has been a lot of fun to do. So thank you. Yeah, no, they are cool to see. And your art is fantastic. I yeah. I say this every time you're on the show, but I've been a huge fan of your work for a long time. Thank and you. I will say that every time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, that's that's it. That's it. On to December. I'm running away from home. My parents are mean. Where will you go? Oh, I'm not sure, but I'll show them. That's right. You'll show them how mean you can be. Shipwreck. Isn't it better to try to solve problems instead of running away from them? I could try talking to my parents again. Yeah, tell them how you feel. And remember, running away leads nowhere. Now I know. And And knowing knowing is half half the battle. G.I. Joe! Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. 